All right. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is going to be a very strange episode. Just jumping out there and saying that um, I am not even going to play the full music intro. That wasn't even my normal intro of my music. Um, just, just starting off weird here because I am excited for this episode, but at the same time, I am like, I have no idea how it's going to go. So. Uh, well, 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 I'm just going to give everyone time to join. Maybe if no one joins, I might actually feel better. Um, there's a lot to talk about with this topic, uh, quite a lot. And I'm going to kind of start off with uh, my personal experience and history with astrology and astronomy. These two very, very opposing things of our reality uh, so hello, what's up, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Glad to see you guys are here. Um, I am starting early. I'm starting this episode early. Um, maybe it's just partly because I'm excited. Maybe it's partly because I kind of just want to get it over with in a way because astrology is just such an uncomfortable thing to talk about sometimes, <laughs> mainly just because of how many times I've been approached by people. And, and the second I mention anything about I study space or I study, you know, the stars, uh, usually it'll, it'll lead to, oh, can you, you know, tell me a little bit about my, uh, my horoscope or, you know, my day of birth. And uh, although a lot of us might be very one-sided and might, you know, chuckle at, at, at such conversations and might laugh because, uh, you know, if we do study the field of astronomy and astrophysics, we're taught that astrology is a pseudoscience. We're taught that this is, you know, false. This is false information. There's no way the stars can be correlated with our human emotions and all this other stuff. But I'm going to uh, really take a weird approach here uh, and mainly because of kind of I, I grew up in a, a, a household that was uh, really um, interested in the field of astrology, not astronomy. And so I, I, I just was very immersed in this, especially too, it's kind of hard, I think, to avoid. I just decided to Google the word horoscope and some of the biggest media outlets are talking about, you know, what's your horoscope for the day? What's your horoscope for this week? Yahoo Sports, The Cut, um, uh, it, I don't know what this is. So some Times Magazine, um, Vogue India, we've got uh, The Globe, we've got Toronto Star, we've got, I mean, just, yeah, I, I, I grew up reading magazines and everything always had horoscopes in it. So, so why is this something that has kind of been so just in our face about being a pseudoscience and yet it's still such a almost like prominent thing that a lot of people see kind of will yeah they'll, they'll i wouldn't say rule their life because i for for my understanding of of uh those interested in the field of, of astrology uh it's not that it rules their life it's more like it can give them insight into things that they maybe couldn't detect about themselves or the time of the month or the time of the week or the time of the day um and so, so with that being said, uh, as I mentioned, I was kind of hoping no one would join this call because I have no idea how this episode's going to go. Um, and so it's kind of just starting with that little bit of information, we have to sort of start to think like, okay, so why is this something that is still very much looked to for guidance um, rather than other methods or formats of guidance. So like, like meditations or like turning inward or, you know, taking like time away from, you know, 
detoxing away from digital detoxes, like time away from our computers, time away from our phones, uh, kind of synchronizing ourselves back with our natural rhythm. That I believe would provide so much more insight into ourselves and our decision making than possibly reading like a third party newspaper that is a very generalized statement about other people who were born in the same week or two weeks or three weeks or month as you. Uh, and so I, that's, that's, that's my opinion. So just kind of starting off with that. And then we're going to play devil's advocate, both sides. We're going to kind of get into both uh, the field of astronomy, my first astronomy class, <laughs> which kind of just literally caused the, the bricks to come down in my building for me uh, emotionally, my mental, mental building. So uh, if you guys will spare me, I'm going to kind of go a little bit into my childhood for a moment. And I was really into like before really like knowing much about astronomy and astrophysics, which didn't come until high school for me, um, which I did get a book on the cosmos when I was in middle school. I was uh, 11, 12 years old. And that's when I first started really getting introduced to the fact that there is a whole universe with other planets and other stars and galaxies and yada, yada. But it wasn't until high school that I took my very first astronomy class, learned how to track asteroids, worked in a planetarium, um, got to do really, really cool things. And, um, up until that point, I was very much surrounded by this pop culture, which was, you know, read your daily horoscope, understand more about who you are, and all these personality traits that I thought defined who I was because of the time I was born. And so this was something that really was a, I mean, also in the 90s, too, I think this was a very popular thing, too, which is when I grew up. And so there wasn't like anyone around me who I didn't know their sign. Like everyone, that's like what we talked about. Maybe it also was more of a girl thing, but it was just something that a lot of me and my friends kind of just found common ground on. And then once I got to high school and took my first astronomy class, day one, day one, my teacher set us an assignment that said, name 10 reasons why astrology is a pseudoscience. I still have this paper. I do not have it in front of me. It's at my mom's house. I'm going to have to go find it one day. But it was named the top 10 reasons why astrology is a pseudoscience. And I was just infuriated. I was lost. I was like, what do you mean? Isn't it tied together? Because I looked up the history of astrology. So if you you know, do that and you look it up online, if you were to just do a quick Google search, origins of astrology... In ancient times, it was inseparable from astronomy. The originated It originated in Mesopotamia, 3rd millennium BC, and it spread to India, and then it developed in Western form in Greek civilizations during the, um, the Hellen's... <laughs> Hellen oh, I never actually heard this word before. Hellenistic period, which I is... This was uh, between the Mediterranean history, between the death of Alexander the Great in 323 BC and the emergence of the Roman Empire. So this all being said, uh, the origins of astrology was, you know, very much tied to astronomy because there was all these kind of like myths and folklore and ideas around the constellations in the sky, which is what we still hold to today. This is how we can navigate around the globe. This is how we can navigate around the cosmos. You know, when we mentioned the meteor shower that was happening last week, it was the Eta Aquarids because it was in the Aquarius constellation. So it's kind of just easy for our very visual way of processing reality as human beings to understand where things are in the skies by these really major constellations. But really rewind back to like, you know, 
1894 BC, when it was created by the Babylonians, the original 12 zodiac signs, these were things that were believed to have had a significance tied to our personality traits and our birth and our destiny, maybe, too. Um, and this was because certain constellations were visible during certain times of the night. Um, but if you are born when you're when the sun is in direct line with the constellation, so meaning it'd be visible during the daytime, you won't be able to see it, then that means that's your sun sign. And so where, whenever that is, whatever time of the year that is, that is what is considered to be your ruling sign. And this is something that wasn't quite understood yet back then. It was understood that there was a the celestial sphere were these finite star points that rotated around Earth. Whereas centuries later, we realized, oh, actually, the distances between each star and each constellation is actually very, very far away. So, like, take um, here. Let's choose here. Why don't one of you guys comment a zodiac sign? I'll I'll look up the constellation. Uh, let's let's make this a little little more interactive. Um, uh, okay, Leo. All right, so let's pull, pull up the Leo. The Leo constellation. Okay. So if we open up the Leo constellation, I know that there are a few like Leo, Leo Alpha and Beta and Sigma. So let's look at two of the brightest stars in the Leo constellation. One of them known as Denebola. Denebola. And the other one, Regulus. Okay, so. Denebola, and I'm literally just doing this spot on right now, so just do it, do it, doing it live as I put in my Instagram story. Denebola is 35.88 light years away from Earth. So about, so let's write that down. So 36 light years away is Denebola. Let's round up. Denebola is 36 light years away from Earth. Regulus, distance to Earth, is... 78 light years away. So technically 77.63, but we'll round that up. So we've got 36 and 78 light years. So so these two stars are not right next to each other. They are not even in the same star system. They are very, very far away from each other. So what that means is if we were to go to another star system planet somewhere else, these stars would not make up the same pattern that makes up the Leo constellation that we understand and see here on Earth. And so this is an, uh, a, a, an arguing statement that I, I've, I've approached before um, with uh, some individuals uh, who, who are very, very set to, to astrology. And I've said, but I was like, but it doesn't it's, it doesn't have a relevance, right? Because if it had some type of physiological effect on us, how could it, not only at this very far distance, but the fact that the, the sh very shape itself would change if you changed your location? And their response typically would be like, well, then you would be a different sign if you were on another planet. So they still would follow astrology, but astrology would follow per planet. So then I was like, okay, um, so now let's consider this. Astrology, when it was first created or first sort of written up, 
um, all of the horoscopes, all of the, you know, because the, the, the stars are just what they are. We put the patterns and the names to them. Even in the field of astrophysics, the, the, the names of these stars and constellations are just put to it because they are recognizable, you know, symbols or recognizable objects, whatever it is. And so uh, to an alien species, it wouldn't really make any sense. But then if we sort of consider that since the Babylonian time, Earth has wobbled and it's wobbling. Earth does wobble and it's shifted. It's shifting on its axis. So if it's shifting on its axis, meaning its axis of rotation, which is that part, the North and the South Pole, imagine that part that connects a, a globe on like your teacher's desk. If that shifts every few years, very, very minor shift, but it's happening, that would also in turn shift the constellations. And I did this a long time ago, and I don't have it with me now. I think it was actually from this teacher's astronomy class, but we calculated it, and it means that like all of the constellations would actually be off by a few weeks, which means everything that we've been told of what we are in the field of, you know, the uh, the the I can't even call it the field of, but just in astrology, <laughs> in the field of study of astrology. Um, kind of looking at whatever your sign you would consider to be would actually you would be way off by a few weeks in modern day terms. But this was still not enough to convince, I think, a lot of people that it is a pseudoscience. And so the other thing was, I'm so glad I can remember all the thoughts I want to say, but the other thought was, and the other thing we had to write down in this, um, in this assignment we had was for identical twins. And identical twins if anyone knows that a set of identical twins, can you comment in the chat and just let me know? Um, and I would love to sort of hear your opinion. And I'm going to read all your comments in a bit, I promise. Um, I have one more point to make, which has to do with maybe our deeper awareness of our ways of being and our minds. But before we do that, um, if you guys know any set of identical twins, I do. And uh, they're very different. Uh, sometimes they can be very alike. Sometimes, you know, they could be very, very attached to each other, but sometimes they can be polar opposites. And so this was an example we used in my high school astronomy class of identical twins. And so wouldn't they be considered the same, you know, astrological sign? They also were born approximately at the same time, within minutes apart, um, on the same date, in the same city, at the same location. And so how is it that they can have such polar opposite personalities? And so this is also something that just really was like, okay, at 16 years old, I was like, all right, astrology is a pseudoscience. I get it. I get it. Okay. But then we start to kind of tie in this idea around kind of like psychics, right? Like the, the awareness of like, so if you've ever sat down before with someone who, who claimed to be a psychic um, and, and there's still a lot we don't know. So I'm going to just put out that humble note. There's a lot that we don't know about the power of our minds, the power of awareness. But if you want to sort of think about maybe someone you've sat down with who might've been claimed a psychic and possibly someone you've sat down with who was interrogating you, I've never been really interrogated before, but I've watched a lot of CSI. Uh, but if you're watching a show where someone's being interrogated, uh, they certain people who are the interrogators have to be trained in certain types of like physical behavior and nonverbal cues. And I think in a very similar way, 
there are people who are very good at picking up on nonverbal cues, picking up on like things that maybe you and I don't even notice that we do sometimes if we're slightly uncomfortable or slightly more conscious of things, or maybe we're like giving off some type of vibe. You know, we hear about vibe a lot. And like, that's very true. That's very accurate. Like I've definitely been around uh, like situations or individuals where I get like super high energy and like really positive and really happy because they're just sort of emitting joy. And I've also been on the opposite side before where I'm sitting on a crowded subway train and there's like, you know, just a really, really negative situation that's happening or not even the situation, but, you know, possibly someone who just had a really bad day. And, um, and so, so that being said, I think that we're starting to enter this maybe deeper awareness of human behavior within our evolution of humanity. And I think that that might be more of the truth behind astrology than rather rather than sort of the planets and the stars being aligned. I think it might be more of a deeper awareness of like characteristics that we can potentially have and not based on things because our characteristics can change and evolve if we want to. Like it, you know, like there's certain signs that will say like, oh, you're very egocentric and you're very like this, but it's like, if you keep telling yourself you are, then you might be that way, but possibly you might start to go down a path of being slightly more, you know, like, in tune with those around you or aware of things that are happening that maybe you say that are affecting others rather than being completely oblivious to it or on the polar opposite end maybe they say you're really emotional and you cry a lot and <clears throat> and you're told that that's how, how you're supposed to be especially when you're young you can then grow into these characteristics and that's the power of our mind is is being told these things from a really young age and this is something that just like We'll, we'll get into this in like another topic, but I guess just sort of the um, the like introduction of views uh, upon children at a very young age that uh, I, I'm, I do not necessarily agree with that's happening a lot today. And it's it makes me pr quite sad. Um, but I think that there's something just so precious about being a child and being young and having kind of this open canvas of all these different things and and you're so much like a like a literal sponge you know it can just absorb so much wonderful information but unfortunately a lot of negative information gets absorbed too and that shapes you know that person that young person into becoming a certain way possibly or possibly not um but i think that with the field of astrology this was something that really started to get ingrained. So I almost wonder if there were more things in newspapers and um, magazines that were around astronomy, how different that might kind of uprise our community uh, and our youth into sort of the future we would have. Okay. So that's a little bit of my opinion on this. There, there definitely is more stuff to be said, but I'm going to take a moment to just read through your comments here because I do see quite a lot coming through. So from Hector, identical twins is a great way to argue this. They are so different. Um, broke look exactly the same, but in a lot of ways, I do know. Um, uh, Hector, the only way astrological signs may have relevance in our behavior is in the time of year that you're born. Um, are you the oldest or youngest in your class? Is it hot or cold around the time? The, yeah, the, around your birthday, etc. That may have effect on upbringing somehow, if at all. Astrology, astrology is not based on science, is all I can say. That's a very, very great statement. I'm going to screenshot that. That is so good, Hector. And the reason I, I agree with this is because um, I 
have been thinking quite a lot about sort of the environmental effects on infants, so like ages one to three, and um, what our level of commitment is as a society to the development of humans at such a young age and sort of the birth into consciousness. Like that is something that like, and I was listening to an interview uh, of Grimes recently, actually, which is what's kind of triggering all of this right now, if you guys haven't heard it. And um and it just was like really kind of made me think like, well, the, yeah, there's there's so much that could be done at such a young age. And like we absorb so much all at once as soon as we're born from like air, feeling air for the first time, breathing for the first time to, you know, potentially feeling like emotional pain or physical pain because you're stretching out for the first time. And um, then you're hearing sounds. And if you're hearing like, you know, positive sounds, that's great. But if you're hearing arguments and fighting and negativity, or you're being surrounded by all this stuff, like this definitely has an effect on your upbringing. And this is very much tied to sort of that nurturing component of of birth and, and growth. And so that is something that has such a significant impact on just the development overall. And I, I like the, the temperature uh, mention that Hector made as well, because yeah, the, the temperature, I think, is a really important thing, too, because when you're born, you know, you're going from being inside a body of like 97 degrees Fahrenheit to then outside a body where it's like, you know, maybe 60 degrees in the hospital room, maybe colder. I don't even know what the temperatures are typically at inside a, you know, a, a hospital when when um when someone is giving birth. But it's it's a lot. It's kind of kind of a lot to to take in. And so that for sure, I think has so much more of an effect on, yeah, on on your development over time. But as far as like kind of looking at like your your horoscopes and sort of wonder, I think that what could be interesting is almost to like look at if you're going to look at them, and if if this if I am speaking to anyone out there who's like really really into astrology. Um, I would encourage you to maybe like test out a month where you don't look at it ahead of time. You only look at it after the math. So like look at it a day or a week after you had already lived whatever the experience was for that day or that week um, rather than ahead because I think the kind of downside that astrology might be having on society is it's sort of predicting how your day is going to go before you even arrive at, at it yet. And so then you end up because this is the power of the mind again, is like you can almost end up controlling how that day is going to end up being because you're prepared that maybe it's not going to be so great of a day or maybe you're going to be experiencing some, you know, I don't know, like negative circumstance or some positive circumstance or whatever it is. Um, so I would be interested to sort of run an experiment of like just having it read in the aftermath because even then, and I've noticed this because I've tried this before with friends, is like even then, as humans, we'll still find things that are relatable to us. We'll be like, oh, yeah, well, something like that kind of did happen. Like, yeah, I, I did kind of run into a friend that I knew of, and, and my horoscope said that I would. So I think that, like, we have to kind of take with a grain of salt the amount of things that are probably written within horoscopes are I probably like a formula. And the formula is made up of different variables. And one of them is probably like, you know, what is an average human trait that someone may experience sometime throughout the day? Okay, they'll probably experience some type of like energy or some type of lethargicness, which would probably be at the either right when you wake up if you're tired or at the end of the day, especially if it's a Monday. 
Um, what is something you might commonly run, you know, come across on a Friday or Saturday night? Oh, you might run into someone you know. So maybe there might be a little bit of, of a variable like that in the in the formula or the equation. And so I think that it's sort of taking all these traits that we kind of already know about humanity and then sort of bundling up all of that into a uh, few relatively brief statements that ends up in Cosmopolitan magazine or ends up in the newspaper. And maybe that is why actually I think it, it tends to be a little bit more uh, in the feminine crowd than the masculine is because it tends to be in a lot of magazines that are considered to be magazines women would mainly read, such as Cosmopolitan, like I just mentioned, uh, and other magazines. And um, I think that's, that's, that's a really interesting point to sort of notice as well is, is, well, why is that? Because uh, I, I don't think I've met quite a lot of men who've been like, yeah, I'm so into my horoscope. Like I'm so, yeah, like that rules my life. Like I think I've maybe only met a couple, but I've met quite a lot of a lot of women who, who do feel that way. Um, and so I, I would almost wonder if that's something that has just been really tied into our culture as well, because culture does make a really big impact on our opinions and our shape of humanity. So all that being said, um, Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, Gideon, storyteller. Celestial objects affect the tides. Why not humans too? This is a good one. Okay, if anyone wants to take on that com that co that comment, please do. Um, I'm gonna sort of just like think for a second about this because there's a few ways to approach this. Um, one of them is about you know, of course, the tides on Earth will have high tide. Um, which can happen. Let's see, when does high tide tend to happen? I'm not a surfer and I didn't really live on a, on a, well, I did live on a coast in New York, but I wasn't really on, um, by, by a beach or anything. So high tide today. Um, I know one thing is that, you know, because of the gravitational influence of the moon, that can affect the tide, the tidal force on Earth, and that can affect, of course, the water because the Earth is predominantly made of water. Um, but as far as the 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 time of of morning, if anyone out here is a surfer, please let me know. So I'm, I'm on tide-forecast.com, and it mentions high tide is at about 5:50 p.m. So I'm going to look up. What does high tide mean? So let's establish these definitions first. The state of the tide when it is at its highest level. Okay. Um, okay. There we go. So that is and then when you're on a beach, what happens at high tide? A simplified explanation. The tide gets high when the sea or ocean is closer to the moon as the water is strongly attracted by it. The tide will uh, get low once the water surface is no longer in front of the moon and attracted by the centrifugal force. So I'm guessing then that's why in the mornings and in the evenings, because as Earth is rotating away from the sun, I guess. But the thing is that the moon's orbit, it's not like we, we get closer to the moon every night. Um, we'd have to look at the moon orbit and Earth orbit. So that argument, for sure, I, I, I do see where, where that argument could be coming from because the human body is made predominantly of water. I think we're 75% water. Um, so how are we not affected by that? And we probably are to an extent, but I think that the effect, if anything, would be maybe not so much like mental 
or emotional, but probably more physical. And I know physical can definitely have ties to emotions and type like, you know, if you're really, really sore, you can end up feeling a little bit more tense that day. Um, and vice versa, if you're very comfortable and your body is warmed up, you could feel very positive. Um, so let's see, I'm looking at an orbit right now around moon and let's see full moon so it would also be because we have apogee and perigee right i don't want to forget about that so apogee and perigee are when either the um earth is closer to the moon or further from the moon and uh that is not happening on a daily basis that that happens um i believe it's on a more of a monthly basis so before i'd rather sort of research a little bit more to, to really start to answer this question. But I do think that that is something I've heard before. And that is something that I've even argued before where I'm like, well, if we, you know, obviously the water on our planet's being affected by the tidal forces being caused by the moon. We also know that other celestial objects affect other types of objects were affected by the star. If it wasn't for the star, we wouldn't exist. Um, so that's definitely an argument there. Um, so I, the one, potential answer could be the scale, the the size of us, um, and the fact that we are grounded by Earth's gravity would be something that maybe we don't have as much of an effect. Or the other hand, maybe we do. Maybe we do have an effect and we don't fully understand it yet, um, which is kind of bringing back from like the beginning of today's episode, sort of saying like there may be a lot, there, there probably is a lot, there is a lot of stuff we don't know. Um, and I, I don't think it would be in the field of astrology necessarily, but I think it would be in a, a deeper field of sort of exploring more in probably in like metaphysics, the more if we start to explore a little bit more into other types of dimensions that may exist, um, other things that affect the human body. Uh, and then also more, more space exploration may also bring those answers because we haven't had enough exposure, I think, to space beyond our own planet. And so that's sort of just where, where my mind is at with, with that kind of question. But that was, that, was, that was a good one. That definitely – okay, let's see. We've got some, some good comments in here. So Mario says, celestial objects affect the tides because water takes up a lot of surface area of the earth. Individual humans don't. This can be seen because we don't see – wait, this can be seen because we don't see tides in bathtubs, cups of fluid, and most lakes – Okay. Okay. Yeah. So because we have our skin and our skeletal system. Um, but I guess if we don't see the tides, are we still having some kind? I mean, I'm definitely not getting pulled left and right back and forth. Cause if we were, we'd probably be like flying bodies all over the place, but, um, <laughs> that would be really bad. Um, so that's an interesting point. And then Hector says, moon and sun both affect the tides. Tidal effect is stronger at new and full moon because sun and moon are in line. But lunar tides happen twice a day. It doesn't line up with the zodiac. All right. Evelyn says, I do a crossword on the train in the morning. So horoscopes are on the same page. So apparently I was really energetic. Certainly not on the train at 548 a.m Sociable. Nope. And funny today. <laughs> also, I should have walked around with eyes open. Uh, love was waiting somewhere. Must have missed that. 
Oh, that's so that's just such a that's so great. Oh, that's oh, thank you, thank you for commenting that, Evelyn. That was a really really fun comment to read. Um, and thank you, Hector and, and Mario, for also mentioning that. Um, and of course, uh, thank you to Gideon for for mentioning that as well, um, storyteller, because that I think really yeah is something we have to sort of sort of keep in mind is like even though we're composed of the same atoms as a lot of these things in space, we are not the same. And um, I was listening to a, like, it was like a philosopher's, like, dubstep track yesterday. And uh, it was either Alan Watts or or someone else. And um, there was someone saying how, you know, within the size of the cosmos, with everything that's out there, with how large everything is, its perspective of us is so small. We're smaller than dust. We're basically nothing. And I just thought I was like, it's like, well, for sure. Like this is the kind of the 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 paradox of I guess our perception of space and the cosmic perspective is that we can feel both that and feel at the same time. Well, compared to quantum particles, we're massive. Compared to ants, we're huge. We're a huge assembly of atoms. We are. We are compared to my cat. Who can only say meow? I am I am so colorful in so many different ways that my vocal cords can fluctuate. Same thing with all of us humans here. And and so it it's like this is I think the the, the struggle with sort of our perspective of us and where we are in the cosmos because we have all these objects in space and none of them are faces like us. None of them are really like emotional beings, sentient beings, um, as far as we know right now. And I do believe it exists out there. We just haven't found it yet. Um, And so all we kind of see are these like, you know, very slow moving objects in space. and, And it it can feel very distant from us, but at the same time, it's very connected to us. So I think that astrology is sort of a way for maybe our stage of evolution of humanity to start to make sense of all of this. Because it, even me saying this right now, I feel like I, my brain's melting. Like I, I can't even really like com- completely conceptualize all of this deeper meaning. Um, and and so I think that astrology is sort of the pop culture way of trying to sort of conceptualize this and cope with it. Uh, but I think that if we go down the more so approach of like very like traditional fundamental science and go down the laws of physics, uh, explore, you know, the territory of quantum physics, explore the territory of theoretical all of that, I think, is what can start to bring us a little bit closer to sort of this deeper understanding. So thinking about, like, if you guys haven't read the the, the holographic universe, you've got to, um, or just explore a little bit of David Bohm's work, um, kind of just processing how the brain sort of sees everything around us and what reality is and all these tangible items, but that it all may actually just be interferences of waves so wave interference patterns and our brain is sort of like breaking all that down and then processing an image for us to see for us to touch and we feel the shape because our brain is processing what we're seeing and touching but if our brain didn't see it and we were just touching it it might we might see it differently so uh, I, I, that, that, that might sound a little bit too out there for you, but um, that's, that's just sort of my approach to 
oh, I looked at the holographic universe and what came up on Google was the holographic principle, which is a tent of string theories as support a supposed property of quantum gravity that states Let's see if any of this would even make sense. Let me try to explain this a little bit better. That states that the description of a volume of space can be thought as an encoded or on a lower dimensional boundary to the region, such as a light. Oh, okay. It's basically just talking about holograms. Okay. Well, if you guys read The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot, that's the book I'm talking about. I need to revisit it because I still haven't actually finished it. I've read through like the majority of it and then I went into a ton of other books. Um but it's really interesting and it kind of breaks down the different experiments. Uh, and there is one more thing I want to share with you guys. So I'm going to share this YouTube link here that I sent to Adara yesterday because her and I had like a very long phone call before she, we, we came on Space Talk. And um, I'm going to go ahead and share that here. It's a really interesting thing. It's it's literally titled, Do We See Reality As It Is? Um and I think that it's, 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 yeah, it just get, kind of gets you thinking. So, so I think that, you know, as long as astrology is, is not, I think, you know, horoscopes are not doing anything like, you know, saying anything like really horrible, like, you know, go kill a dog or something like that, or worse, you know, as long as that's not happening, I see it as, as, you know, in a way potentially harmless, but I think on a wider scale, it could be harmful in a way of sort of taking us away from understanding a little bit more of a scientific approach, a, you know, and I say the word traditional science, traditionally, a traditional science approach, which may be able to bring us a little bit more to understanding things that are happening in our, in our, our real world, um, and, and just be able to have a little bit more of a, of a scientific literacy to us in our species. Because I think that is what, by all means, would help the survival of our species if we ever come down to a point where, where we're struggling with that, um, which is arguable that we're, we're, we're kind of on the brink of that. Um, so that being said, uh, let's see. We've got a book here, a book link. Um, Oh, wait, is this the first time links are not working in the chat? That's weird. Even my link, it's not an actual link. It's just a comment. Um, so in that case, I'm going to go ahead and just type, if you guys want to look this up on YouTube, it's called, it's called, Do We See Reality As It Is with Donald Hoffman. All right. So if you guys want to go ahead and give that a listen, I highly recommend it. Um, either way, I hope you guys enjoyed this, um, this, this kind of just one way monologue, <laughs> but we've got some special guests coming on soon. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm just going to end off with just seeing if you guys have any other questions you want to type in the chat, um, about our conversation today. Um, I would say the last bit I would, I would mention as far as the, the side of, ast of astronomy. So astronomy, astrophysics is that, uh, the constellations, those like horoscope constellations, like we still have those, we, we use those um, because those are very large constellations in the sky. They dominate the majority of our sky. There are other constellations, of course, too, but these are some of the bigger ones. Um, some of the stars and some of these are much dimmer now, so it'd be a little bit trickier to catch with in the light polluted cities that we have now, um, as opposed to, you know, way back when, before the light bulb was, was invented. Uh, and so be a little tricky to probably catch some of these these stars and these constellations 
But there are still constellations out there that are extremely prominent, such as Orion and Cassiopeia, which I love Cassiopeia. It's one of one of my favorite constellations as well. Um, and it is because it looks like cat ears, in my opinion. But I just looked up Cassiopeia, and it's a mythological, Greek mythological creature. Um, so anyway, all right. Well, that is about everything. Let's see. We've got one more comment from Mario. He says, also using the tides to justify astrology is a false equivalent. Uh, the tides are a gravitational phenomena. Uh, if they didn't, if they did have a significant impact on us, they would affect us gravitationally, not all the ways astrology claims to, uh, claims the celestial objects do. Uh, it's like saying taking medicine for my stomach problems will cure my broken arm. Good point. Exactly. Good. I, I guess the, to reiterate, tying back to my flying bodies uh, idea earlier is, is if uh, we were affected by it, um, it would be as well, as Mario mentioned, uh, gravitationally. And we would be flying all over the place. Um, so not so not so pleasant uh, if that were the case. Alrighty, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think it was a little bit kind of wacky and out there, but... Um, you know, if we don't do those kind of episodes, then, you know, who are we? What are we? Why are we here? I, I really don't even know. Um, so some some announcements we've got. We have a special guest coming up soon, Spacebutt Messier. Tony will be joining us. He joins here a couple times before as a listener, uh, called in a couple times just to say hello. But he is going to be one of our special guests. And we just booked our date. It's going to be on – let's check our text messages um, – the 25th at 3 p.m. Central Time. So I'll go ahead and, of course, make the, uh, the announcement for that. So that should be really fun um, of an interview. I also, <laughs> uh, you guys will be the first ones to hear this, but I got it reached out to by uh, an astronaut to uh, come on Space Talk. So that's really exciting. So um, I look forward to bringing that person on as well. So uh, we're going to have some pretty fun upcoming episodes here on Space Talk. So as always, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys get to get outside and catch some of these marvelous astronomical events that are happening. Um, and as always... Have a wonderful rest of your day and always look up at the sky and try to be awestruck or should I say starstruck? All right, everyone. Have a good day. Ad Astra.